welcome to season 2 episode 2 of the photography podcast photo chat with friends and i'm your host rajiv i am in conversation with my good friend vivek chuk the chief creative officer of visual juju a video production agency based in goa india he's a filmmaker and photographer i first met vivek when i moved to goa a few years ago to take up a position as business manager at visual juju At that point he was a colleague and was heading one of the business units at Synapse the parent company of Visual Juju His presentations were legendary and packed with creativity He was the guy who introduced me to the camera and showed me the nuances of nailing the perfect exposure To his credit I still follow his steps Thanks Vivek In this conversation we explore his journey from a marketeer in the corporate world to all things photography so without further ado here is vivek start okay. uh, i got into this about um, maybe about uh, 15 odd years ago when i just attended a four day workshop in bangalore uh, and uh, i kind of borrowed my brother's camera at that point uh, it was a dslr it was a nikon d80 at that point and i got into this class and just kind of understood the basics of iso and shutter speed and aperture and things like that and then that's what essentially got me hooked and those four hours uh, that that you know four day workshop which actually happened in our day uh, kind of took me on a journey i didn't obviously pursue it um, as a profession back then because i was kind of working as a marketer uh, with puma and things like that there was always something else to do on the side to kind of earn a living but uh, photography was primarily a thing that i just carried my camera along with me wherever i went and took some pictures obviously back then the kind of pictures that peter was you kind of see a sunset you <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> take out a camera and just shoot and say it's amazing yeah but uh, you know everybody starts there at some point mm. and we did that that for a while and then just my picture start getting better and better and better year after year and year after year and year after year and then towards the point i realized that hold on a second yeah this is something that interests me let me just invest in a camera of my own and that's when the, the journey started which means that i would essentially go and travel and then you take my camera and start shooting generally landscapes and travel photography and things like that okay nice and um, i mean and how did that um, impact your um, professional life because you know you still you were like a proper like a business head you know doing projects and um, you know the, the whole corporate thing that you were doing you would never um, i mean your projects or your presentations of course were talked about in terms of how creative it was but how did how did that career shift happen and did photography have anything to do with that see i think photography is always primarily so if you think is that you know i am kind of in some ways a person who has uh, dipped his fingers into multiple creative things right so there is communication design there is um, um, graphic design there is ui ux design there is digital product design there is obviously you know film and photography mm. as well 
but of all the skills that I primarily think that I know the best, photography mm. is one of them, only because of the number of years that I've practiced it on mm. my own. Mm-hmm. So, yes, while I ran a team that kind of delivered communication solutions for people, it was primarily something that earned me money. I didn't really think that photography is a very lucrative option from a okay. monetary point of view. So, it was always on the side, which means I spent lakhs and lakhs of rupees investing in equipment. Mm. But I fundamentally realized that it's one of those hobbies, like, you know, primarily if you like running, then you do it irrespective of whether you're, you're getting paid or not. Correct. Likewise, with any other hobby that you have, whether you play a sport. And photography f- for me was like that, which means that I would invest a lot of money in it and time in it mm. and do it just because it gave me joy, not because I was getting paid for it or whether I kind of uh, sought out clients to kind of pay me money for it, things like that. And I think over a period of time, I started getting better at um, it and mm. I started then shooting deliberate photos which means I would plan my shoots and it would just not be a thing that let's take a camera and let's make an image happen it would mm. let's make an image first in your head and then go and shoot something correct yeah yeah that, that's uh, that's happening to me as well as time goes by like initially I'll just go do sunsets and sunrises like everybody but then like I'm kind of uh, got like sick and tired of shooting that all the time but and what happens is every photograph of yours then becomes an assignment correct correct like for example now um, i want to um, document my neighborhood correct and i want to show to the world like hey you're living in this neighborhood have you ever noticed it this way Hmm. you know exactly so, exactly. so that's kind of a deliberate uh, way of uh, envisioning, yeah, yeah, envisioning something. So and I that's, think that this is the argument, right? This is the argument that I think a lot of people have that you cannot shoot pictures in your neighborhood which are decent enough. Correct. I think that's the general argument, right? That yeah. you feel that you have to go to a great yes. location. Yes. And, yeah. and you know, while that's true, while that's true, it's that once you start becoming uh, slightly more. Um, understanding of light and Correct. composition, things like that. That's when you realize that, wait a second, I can create good images in my backyard. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> what I'm interested in is uh, when you approach something as a hobby, then you don't right. have like pressure in terms of you're not answerable to someone. So you, you do pretty much what you want to do, right? In terms of how the image is coming out of your camera or how you edit it presented etc have you done any commercial photography or is it exclusive to filmmaking i got into filmmaking a few years ago yeah and um, it was obviously completely self-taught which means i would go on youtube and understand camera settings for film and things like that but i just feel that because of my background in photography mm. which means that i understood a little bit more about lighting than most people do when they get into filmmaking mm. understood more about camera settings, I understood a little bit more about composition, how the camera should move and things like that. I think for me, the transition to move from photography to filmmaking Mm. was easier than what most people would generally um, identify with specifically. Because if you are getting into filmmaking from scratch, from day zero, then all those things which you learned as a photographer for, let's say, 10 years Mm. is not there with you. So I think that I just had that slightly... uh, easier journey so mm. to speak mm. to get into filmmaking because i had this background of yeah. shooting images for the last 10 years yeah okay. and have you done any commercial sh- shoots in terms of still photography 
See, I've done commercial sh- shoots back in the day when I started off. But mm. honestly, if you ask me that, go back and look at those images, and would I pay money for those? Then no, I would not pay money for those. Back then. <laughs> okay. I've, yeah. So I've done a couple of them. Okay. Uh, but no, I've never really had the time to pursue it full time. And I generally feel that you know, photography is if you know that your craft is good, mm. then you can go and commercialize it. Mm. If you because you know the kind of images that we see today. On Instagram and so on and so forth. I think that the the competition out there is quite uh, amazing, mm. and you have a lot of fantastic, talented photographers putting out images that are created before they actually go out in the field and shoot something. So I think that those images are, are you know outstanding. Mm. But I've never really focused on uh, photography specifically. I focused on film, which means I started a company of my own called Something Filmy, mm. uh, which primarily focused on film and web content okay. specifically and the reason why i didn't really give photography too much importance was uh i didn't think there was a lot of money in it okay but has has that opinion changed it has changed i think there are people who pay enough and more for um finding or getting the right images mm-hmm. i think there are certain industries like um hospitality for instance that their entire bookings depends on the kind of images that you create for the property right okay it means that if you are on a booking.com or if you are on a any of these hotel yeah. booking platforms mm. then it is top priority for them to essentially have great looking images okay and uh, they will pay top dollar for it specifically so there are clients out there that appreciate good photography uh, it's just that you have to find those clients and i've never had the patience to go and find those clients okay from here on do you think uh, you will do that or what's your uh, future plans in terms of commercializing your skill or your hobby and um, how so the thing is that you know photography and film so I, i will continue to do film making for a bunch of companies as well hmm. i will continue to do that and you know photography is something that i want to get into specifically hmm. but it really uh, depends on what kind of what genre of um, what genre you want to specialize in and what genre will make you money so for instance if you look at the images that i've uh, essentially taken for the last few years yeah it's primarily travel and primarily landscape photography right? right it's not it's not the commercial type uh, pr- product like, photography yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like staged on used staged. Uh, um, you know your um, in terms of lighting and all that kind of uh, having models and correct so in my experience in my experience the only people who will pay for those images are essentially tourism boards and so on and so forth mm. i never had the time or the inclination to go and negotiate deals or uh, convince clients that i'm important because you know that takes up a lot of your time mm. it takes up a lot of your time so uh, when it comes to uh, if, if you want to get into a specific genre be it fashion or be it product or be it um, Mm. hospitality or any of those things then the first important thing is to get a portfolio that somebody will look at look and at. say oh that, that makes sense so currently what i'm trying to do is that i'm trying to see if any friends of mine own any hotels and resorts and just go and shoot for them or when i'm on a shoot for a film mm. uh, then i would take out about half a day and take one of you know a couple of stills to add to my portfolio essentially right. Uh, so that's what i would typically do and once i have a decentish portfolio in hospitality or fashion or any of those things that's when i you start trying to commercialize that skill and then approaching brands and approaching uh mm. properties and so on and so forth nice nice 
so um, so at this stage of your career like how, how do you look at um, photography and filmmaking are you are you looking at it as like exclusively that as your future career option or is it uh, something that you will which is part of your arsenal kind of thing or so, something so I, think, I, I think at the second approach rajiv i think that you know generally speaking in some ways you have these designations today right you have a full stack marketer you have yeah. a full stack developer and so forth in some ways i think of myself as a full stack creative person <laughs> in some ways so mm-hmm. while photography and film is something that you can spend hours and days and years just learning and honing and so on and so forth mm-hmm. i do think that it's important for me to stay connected to the other creative fields as well so for instance yeah. i'm not necessarily an architect or an interior designer mm-hmm. but i do appreciate when someone when you know spaces are designed in a certain way Mm-hmm. So I think that 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 overall creative or uh, need for yeah the, the whole the whole need for being associated with aesthetics or mm-hmm. uh, design in some ways will always always be there okay. and uh, okay. I think that's something that I would like to generally do a bunch of things I, I don't like to focus on one thing alone and just you know do that I do get into phases which means that there could be a year when I'm just doing this honing okay. my craft and then but but you know I've always found a way to kind of still dabble in multiple things okay so what's your fa- favorite place to, that you shot so far what's your favorite location i won't call it favorite location but you know there have been i mean the 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 best pictures of my life are the most recent okay some ways okay so when when um, my wife and i traveled recently to europe we had kind of gone to bruges yeah. uh, which is a very very picturesque place in in Belgium we ended up you know spending about 3 days there mm. and in those 3 days i ended up getting about 3 images which i really like right. and uh, um and the other uh, we had then gone to paris and then we had gone to um, amsterdam so the entire trip which basically took us about 10 days to do mm. i ended up walking out with about 5 or 6 images that i really liked so i think that my general approach to photography has now completely changed which means that if you go on a trip then yeah. you end up with but gbs and gbs of no <laughs> images but i came back with literally it was we would wake up at 5 in the morning mm. go to a shoot location just before sunrise yeah and then if it didn't work out if the sky was bad or if if the uh, if we were slightly late because the light was poor we would just come back the same evening or the next day morning and shoot it again but the the the, the, the point was to go there and come back with five solid images mm. and not go there and come back with 500 images that you can post on instagram and so on okay got it <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that was the point okay okay well, i i've been seeing a lot of um, trees recently like you are getting into like wood uh, like woodlands photography or like forests So I think you know I I think generally speaking if if you if, if you were to ask me that what is what do I want to shoot mm-hmm. I I I just enjoy being outdoor specifically okay. so it could be trees and you know these are locations that we just kind of come across right so mm-hmm. if you're on this journey that says okay let me go and take deliberate photos mm-hmm. or deliberately go and take pictures then you want to basically go and find uh images that will kind of be something useful so mm-hmm. the point is you know uh, to give you an example a friend of mine and i decided to kind of go on a trip to kind of go and shoot waterfalls mm-hmm. because i had seen some tutorials 
on YouTube and kind of understood what to shoot, what what you know, what should be the the shutter speed and so on and so forth. And I just wanted to go and experiment. So I said, let's take a weekend off, go drive somewhere about you know, yeah, three four hours away. And unfortunately, because of the monsoon in Goa, it was uh, the road was blocked, but then on the way back we ended up seeing this cluster of trees mm. that we thought was interesting and we went over there and we saw this tree which is curved i don't mm. know whether you've seen that on my yeah, yeah. So that, yes. you know curved uh, tree yeah so we decided to go there and stop and we locked in a composition unfortunately it was the middle of the afternoon and it was a flat sky mm-hmm. so i decided to go back to that location when the sky was brilliant in terms of you know colors and the clouds and just after sunset so you have that color and um, about two three weeks later the sky was good so i got into my car drove there for about half an hour mm. i knew i knew the location put the camera down took that picture for about you know five minutes and then packed it up and came back and that kind of gave me that image so i think that uh, it's my my general approach to things is that if I see something beautiful, whether it's a tree, whether it is a landscape, the point is to if it is accessible, mm. if, that if it is accessible, it could be near home, it could be far away. Uh, if it is, if, if if it is accessible, then just go back there and wait for the right light to happen. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the key, right? Waiting for the right light. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. And in terms of uh, gear, uh, what's your, um, do you have, um, what's your, um, what's the, what's the gear that you're using and what's the camera that you want to get? So, all, all this, is the, this, is the, this, is the, this is the question that no, no real photographer wants to answer. Right? <laughs> it's like, it's like, who really gives an access about the gear? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But what, what's, what's, the, what's the gear that you're using? Uh, yeah, the GS5? No, I use, uh, for film, I use the GH5. Yeah. Uh, and for photography, I use my Canon 60. Okay. Uh, the reason why it is a Canon 60 and not any other camera is because it was the cheapest full frame out there. So, the tip is that if you, if, 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 if uh, you know, people out there, they come and ask me which camera should I buy, the answer that I give them is just get the cheapest full frame camera out there. Whether it's mirrorless, whether it's DSLR, it just doesn't matter. Mm. It just doesn't matter. The brand doesn't matter. They're all multi-million dollar companies. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But having said that, having said that, I have been um, meaning to uh, try my hands on the Sony A7R4, okay. which is just launched. Mm. That seems to be a brilliant, brilliant camera uh, for uh, the photographers. Sixty-one megapixels and so on and so forth, and great light. Mm. The only, the only, the only problem, the only problem with doing that is that I have to change my entire ecosystem, which means I've already invested a lot in a Canon DSLR. I've already invested a lot of money in uh, a bunch of N lenses from Canon. Uh, if I want to switch ecosystems from a Canon to a Sony, uh, then that just means a lot of yeah, uh, <laughs> money, a lot of money. Correct. So I don't want to do that. So I think for the longest time, I think I will be locked into the Canon ecosystem, whether I like to or not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, because A7 four has been. Um, has been launched, your oh. A7R3 will become cheaper. <laughs> correct, correct. And the thing is, they are both brilliant cameras. Yeah, so yeah they are very good, yeah. yeah. If you want the best camera that money can buy, then get that. Yeah, yeah. Or get the best camera that your money can buy. <laughs> exactly. exactly. 
what's your view on the new iPhone 11 Pro? Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, li- uh, listening to or looking at this YouTube conversation between two photographers on F Stoppers. You know those two guys who run F Stoppers, and they're like uh, one guy had iPhone 7, and the other guy had an iPhone 10. So so, and these guys were saying, I mean, iPhone 11 Pro. Um, it's got three cameras, but it's, you know it's, it's thousand bucks, right? Yeah. While uh, iPhone um, 11, the the standard version is only yeah. what seven hundred like bucks. Six nine nine or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. But pretty much it's the same processor, but Apple spins it as it's the Pro version, but sp- yeah. essentially it's all the same except for the the additional cam additional lens or camera yeah. which you may never use yeah as a professional tool if i was to do a, a podcast uh, interview with somebody else in real life and not yeah. on skype then what you could do is you can record both front and front back, back yeah. at the same that's time so that's yeah. like but the question is whether that can happen in iphone 11 standard version or you need to get iphone 11 pro version that i don't know so the only question is that you know i think it's great that apple is coming out with these things which basically means that the iphone 11 pro is essentially a filmmaker's tool right in yeah. some ways it's, it's it's the it's the bloggers Correct. sort of a tool yes. now the only question that i have to everybody is that is it going to be a primary tool or or it, will it be a secondary camera i think uh, uh, it's yes and no it can be your uh, your main tool but really mm-hmm. depends on how you're going to distribute your content yeah that's going yeah. to prob i think probably determine whether it's going to be a main tool or a secondary tool for example if you're going to exclusively just use social media as your platform and you're mm-hmm. never going to print mm-hmm. then uh, iphone's good enough i think you take uh, your Adobe Lightroom. I started off with Adobe Lightroom Classic. Yeah. But then once Lightroom came in, hmm. the you know the the cloud version. Yeah. Uh, I switched to that, and hmm. what was happening is uh, initially I used to do a um, like a what do you call a offline backup uh, on my on the drive. Yeah. And then uh, upload one version uh, to the cloud. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I used to start the edit on the on the laptop hmm. and continue on my phone hmm. and come back. So it was very fluid that way. I mean, it's it's kind of a game changing kind of a workflow, right? And sometimes you uh, because you're not printing. And more often yeah. than not, I mean, how many people print uh, today? Yeah. And if you're exclusively just a social media person, you mm-hmm. don't, you know, and I mean, it's the, the, the power of the phone. You can really do wonders with it. And I can create uh, like presets on the phone, which I, then, yeah. then I can use it on the laptop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very fluid that way. And... And I can open up the browser and get a, have access to my photographs. Excellent. So the same. So if if. And uh, help me understand this. So you've been into mobile 
photography. I think you do a bunch of workshops as well. Yeah. Why is it that mobile photography has become this thing? Is it because it's far more accessible and cheaper, which means everybody needs a phone, but they can't necessarily be bothered with investing in a camera plus a lens and things of that? Is it that or is it something else? Uh, I mean, see, how many people go in and invest in a, you know, even a basic $500 camera? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like a Fuji camera. It's only the really serious hobbyists, right? The phone is the only camera that they know. They want to take better photographs up their Instagram game. I mean, basically that's it. Essentially, what you will teach you is essentially the basics anyway, right? Which is then what is the basics of lighting, composition and so on. Correct. I mean, that doesn't change. That doesn't change. The only thing it changes is how do you then, how do you maximize your camera? How do you maximize the features of your camera? How Because so many things nobody used. Simple things like rule of thirds, keeping the sun behind, uh, you know, how how not to blow out your background, you know. Uh, and, yeah, that's the uh, most common mistake I've seen. Yeah, probably. and then also this basic thing you can do like, you know, focus and exposure. You can do that on your phone, like tap where you want to focus and then slide down so that you can expose your composition. There's simple things like this, not everybody knows. And using live photos, for example, you can do really good... Uh, long exposures using mm. live photos mm. and just the simple fact of keeping the phone steady <laughs> you know it doesn't take too much to take a decent photograph in fact i have not really experimented shooting a lot with my phone i have been using the native camera app but i do want to try out some third party yeah camera apps uh, i think that my general aversion to phone photography primarily has always been about the fact that I, I just cannot shoot full manual. You don't need a third-party app on an Android. Yeah, I've never used an Android phone. <laughs> no, I, I do think there's a lot of potential, and I think yeah. that it's it's interesting that we had this conversation because I do want to kind of you know step out there with just my phone and yeah. see if I could take pictures that are compelling enough. Because you know what I did in in, in Madurai, I just went and sat on the sidewalk. Hmm. And just uh, kept the camera like this and just pressed the shutter. When somebody walked. <laughs> so used to that concept of taking photographs with your phone. Yeah. Nobody is self-conscious. So I think so. I think this is, you know, you know again, going back to that, that whole conversation that we had at the start of this podcast was that when you said that, yes, the phone is easy, it's accessible, but it doesn't mean that you, you just pull out your phone every time that you need to take something that is remotely not beautiful. <laughs> I think yeah, the, the whole point is that you know if you can teach people to take photos deliberately, Correct. So let's go go with an idea first. Yeah. Go with an idea first. Yeah, but the mindset of just uh, taking a snapshot versus taking a photograph. Yeah. So most people today take snapshots. They don't take photographs. They don't yeah. think about what they are taking, how they are taking, and why they are taking, and when they are oh. taking it, where they are taking it. All those questions they need to ask before they actually take a photograph. Yeah. So those things people don't think about normally. Mm. And that's what I want to tell them. Like, you know, take your time, mm. observe the surroundings, see how you can get the maximum out of the location that you are. So that's, I think that's going to be the crux of my workshop. I'm really excited about the future of cameras specifically, which means that we actually want them to get smaller and smaller. At the same time, we want them to get more powerful and more yeah. powerful. So I think... That's something that is very exciting because it makes it more accessible to people and yeah. collaboration happens. In fact, I love 
collaborating on projects with people mm. it's, it's just far more enjoyable to go on a shoot with like minded people who also care about composition cool man amazing talking to you thanks for your time and uh, hopefully we'll co- collaborate in the future with that we come to the end of episode 2 thanks for tuning in as always i welcome your feedback Till the next episode peace out